My name is April Allen. For those who don't know me, I'm going to read the verses today. I only just grabbed my phone and kept clicking on it. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to be in Romans 9, 6 through 9. Um, okay, so, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac all shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, about this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. Got me, Zach. I'm gonna move this here to the center. Get situated here. Those lights are really bright. <laughs> All right, take a deep breath. Um, I'm going to have to use my glasses. I've got 55-year-old uh, eyes. Um, they are not as good as they used to be, but uh, I do need them just for reading. So, um, My name is Tim Crandall, and I'm an elder candidate here at The Crossing. Um, this is the first time I've ever preached. So, so it's, uh, I've got a lot of support from my small group. They've been great. And, and others, uh, friends uh, throughout the church. So I appreciate the, the prayers and the support. Um, this is kind of a final exam as I see it. Um, if it doesn't go well, I may be a former elder candidate. <laughs> so uh, we'll wait and see. Um, all, all joking aside, um, <laughs> back in December, Jonathan was planning out his uh, vacations. And uh, you know he was looking for coverage for today. And I said, hey, Jonathan, I'd be more than happy to cover for you. And, uh, but he, he did state that uh, you don't have to, Tim. That's not part of uh, being an elder is to preach. Um, you know, if you look in First Timothy under uh, the requirements for elder is to teach. And I've taught small groups. I've taught Sunday school, um, taught my kids, teach at work. Uh, but, uh, but a preacher, I've never been. So this is, this is a new experience for me. Um, However, I told Jonathan, like I said, this is something I'd like to do. Um, today's sermon is titled God's Promise and Sovereignty, and it is an honor uh, to speak today <coughs> and bring the truth of God's word. I didn't think I'd get emotional. <laughs> I didn't during practice. I don't know what's up with that. So uh, just recapping last Sunday what Brian covered and reviewed, uh, he shared with us in the first uh, five verses of chapter 9 in Romans, uh, Paul's anguish and sorrow uh, for his fellow Jews. And if we go to Romans 9.3, um, just to recap a little bit, um, it states, uh, For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from the Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And that's kind of convicting, you know, because he was obviously very, very troubled, very heartbroken for his uh, fellow Jews. And the question I have for all of us is, do you feel that anguish and sorrow 
for anyone in your family who is not a follower of Christ, but a follower of themselves. In Romans 9, 4, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory and covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. So today's, uh, um, as the title says, God's Promises and Sovereignty, we're going to talk about covenants and promises. Uh, But before we get into today's uh, verses, uh, I'd like to pray. So please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this church. And we thank you for, for everyone that hears today. And we just pray that uh, you will speak through me, not my words, but yours. And that uh, you open everyone's ears and hearts to hear from you. We thank you, Father, for being uh, a God of covenant and promises. And we just thank you that uh, you love us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we get into the verses, I'd just like to give uh, some definitions of uh, promise and covenant. Um, as a noun, promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. As a verb, it assures someone that one will definitely do, give or arrange something, undertake or declare that something will happen. In the New Covenant scriptures, promise, which in Greek is epangelia, I had to phonetically spell that out so I could uh, say it correctly, is used in the sense of God's design to visit his people redemptively in the person of his, of his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, W.E. Vine was a theologian from the 19th to the mid-20th century, and, and he says that a promise is a gift graciously bestowed, not a pledge secured by negotiation. Covenant. As a noun, it's an agreement. As a verb, it means to agree by lease, deed, or other legal contract. Biblical definition of covenant, a sacred agreement between God and his children. God sets specific conditions, and he promises to bless us as we obey these conditions. Making and keeping covenants qualifies us to receive the blessings God has promised. When we choose not to keep covenants, we cannot receive the blessings. Many of us are familiar uh, with the word covenant as we live, many of us live in covenant-controlled neighborhoods. I know I do. Sometimes it's uh, not, not uh, doesn't make me very happy at times when I get that little letter in the mail. <laughs> but the purpose of those covenants is or when you purchase a home is in specific neighborhoods is that we have to agree to abide by the rules and regulations of maintenance and upkeep of our homes. Plus, there's many more rules. So our house will not bring down the value of other homes in the neighborhood. So there's a purpose to those covenants, right? Is to keep those uh, values uh, of the neighborhood. Ultimately, it goes back to money. So to keep those values of those those neighborhoods at a certain level. So now let's get into today's verses. Um, The first thing that we're going to talk about and look at is God's promise. (coughs) So let me... uh, we're going to be bouncing around quite a bit. Um, I will say, Jonathan, as you, when April read, there's four verses there, right? So uh, practicing, we're going to probably get out fairly early today, right? <laughs> we're not going to go 45 minutes to an hour, all right? Um, it's been around 20 minutes, so uh, um, we'll get to that ice cream social sooner rather than later. But, uh, um, but if you want, go to Romans 9, 6. The first part of that verse 
I'm letting it get there. Okay, now I need my glasses. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. God's words, covenants, and promises cannot and do not fail. If we go to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God's word deals with our soul, our spirit, our thoughts, and our heart. Have you ever noticed that when reading God's word, that a verse or chapter that you've maybe read a hundred times or more means different to you in different seasons of your life? I know I have. And that just shows the, uh, the active, living word of God and how it is. We read, go on to the next, uh, the second part of uh, verse 9. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And so a, a few weeks ago, when we were in, actually a few months ago now, when we were in Romans 2, and let's go there. Romans 2, 28 and 29. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And then Galatians 6, 15 and 16. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, un but a new creation. And it's for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. <coughs> Paul is referencing Israel here in the spiritual uh, sense, not the physical sense. The meaning of Israel is to be governed by God. Paul is describing those Jews whose heart was changed by God through Jesus Christ. A question for all of us is, have you had a heart change by God? And do you see yourself as governed by God? That should be our identity, right? Is I'm a follower of Christ and I'm governed by God. Moving on to Romans 9, 7. And not all children of Abraham, because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. <clears throat> Abraham's first two children were Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was the firstborn of Abraham. And in the culture, uh, in those days and many cultures today, um, the firstborn was seen as the heir to the parents. Now, if we go to Genesis 21, 12. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for though Isaac shall your offspring be named. So the boy referenced in that verse is Ishmael and the slave woman is Hagar. 
Just being a physical descendant of Abraham did not entitle you to the promises, covenants, and blessings of Abraham. Ishmael was the firstborn of Abraham. In Genesis 15, 18, God made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your offspring, I give you land from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates. But Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were impatient with God's timing for the offspring he promised. They were old. Abraham was in his mid-80s and Sarah was in her mid-70s. Sarah also was barren. She couldn't have children. So they schemed a, a plan for Abraham to lie with Sarah's Egyptian servant, Hagar, with Ishmael being the result. As we learned earlier in Romans, idolatry leads to immorality. Abraham and Sarah wanted an offspring so bad that they took matters into their own hands, which led to an immoral action. God does not like human plans above his. Our, our idolatry and worship of ourselves leads us to immoral decisions that go against God's commandments and desires for our own lives. We need to ask for, for forgiveness when we put our desires above God's and turn from our sin. So the promise, if we go to Hebrews 11:18. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Isaac was born to Abraham second, but would have been the firstborn if Abraham and Sarah did not idolize their hearts and desires over God's. God's original intention was the promise through Isaac. So if we look at Romans 9, 8. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Ishmael and his descendants, the children of the flesh, are not the children of God. Isaac was the child of the promise. Galatians 3.16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Being Jewish does not mean you have the promises of Israel. Pedigree does not matter. In the same way, having Christian parents, living in a Christian family, or even being a member of a church does not make you a Christian. If we go to Matthew 7, 21 through 23, we'll, we'll uh, discover what it says there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and, and many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, for your work, you workers of lawlessness. So that, uh, that one statement there, I never knew you, that is a, uh, that is a pretty heavy statement, right? Um, God desires to have a personal relationship with him. And Jesus' sacrifice makes that relationship possible. So now we'll look at God's sovereignty. 
Romans 9, 9. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I'll return and Sarah shall have a son. Paul is referring to actually a, a passage in Genesis 18, 10 through 14. And uh, we're going to read that here. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. God's sovereignty does miracles through human impossibility. God makes the children of the promise through an old couple where Sarah is barren. Abraham was around 100 years old, and Sarah was around 90 when Isaac was born. As I stated earlier, I'm 55, and I can't imagine having a father of a newborn at this age. But, you know, there are those that do that, and uh, God bless them. <laughs> but it needs to be said that God's sovereignty does miracles through human impossibility. And he's done that in the Bible many, many times. Where man thinks it's impossible, God makes things happen because he is sovereign. In closing, we've looked at God's promise and his sovereignty. But ultimately, the promise is Christ is the fulfillment of that promise. Through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, meaning governed by God, Christ was born and the promise fulfilled. However, the purpose of the promise was for Christ to be the spotless, sacrificial lamb and slaughtered as a payment for our sins, in order for those that believe can have a restored relationship with God. Um, we're all familiar with John 3.16, but I think what, uh, what he's, you know, even more context as we read John 3.16 through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name, in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his work shall be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And also, stealing a little bit of Jonathan's thunder in a few weeks, if we go to Romans 10. Sorry, Jonathan, but... Uh, Nine through thirteen. 
Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who can call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the, in the key, this is for Jew and Greek or Gentile, right? It's for all of us. It's not the promise just for the Jews. It's because of what Christ did, it's the promise for all. Let's pray.